Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC Podcast. My name is Harrison. I'm the Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Huntersville. And hey, this is Mike, founding and lead pastor of Lake Forest Church. Good to uh, be with you all this week. Uh, Our topic is, should I go to that gay wedding? And to address it, we're going to have a newer friend of mine and uh, a known pastor and author nationally on many subjects relating to the church and theology and culture, Bruce Miller. We have him in town uh, speaking with staff and elders last night about how to lead a church in an age of sexual questioning. And tonight, he's giving a seminar to parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles on how to lead your family, how to parent in a time of sexual questioning. Last night was fantastic with staff and elders, and so I think you guys will enjoy our conversation with Bruce uh, all the way in from McKinney, Texas. But first, Harrison, this Sunday, I am... Uh, I am concluding our series, Grace Alone. Mm-hmm. It was our 25th anniversary service. Am sure. I ready to let go of our 25th anniversary season? I think it's time to move on. My Christmas is oh. coming whether you want it to or not. It no, comes every no, year. let's hold off Christmas. <laughs> hold off Christmas and just keep the 25th thing going because I just like it. Well, appropriately, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Mike, but my family laughs at me because notoriously my favorite holiday every year mm-hmm. is Thanksgiving, so I'm fine to be in that spirit of thankfulness for just a little bit longer before we before we get to that. Okay, well, this Sunday we'll finish up Grace Alone. I'm going to talk about giving grace to others. We've been um, just luxuriating in the grace of God for us for over a month. And again, I could just do that all year, but we're going to talk about grace for others and in the spirit of the 25th. Can I get just a little snippet in? Let's do in it. In the spirit of our 25th anniversary... I will be baptizing a teenager in our church who is the daughter of a couple that I married in our church, and that couple met in Welcome 101 uh, and became Christians here. So that's like a, what do you call that? Home run, grand slam for Lake Forest Church and disciple making of a family. It's awesome. Over decades. That's just beautiful stuff, and all of you who serve and give uh, and worship as ministry partners. We all are, we're all the people who the Holy Spirit makes those God stories happen through just through being the church. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit's work. So, yeah. If I have a little extra tear in my eye, that'll be why. I'm not going to say all that on Sunday. Well, you can. I mean, we're not going anywhere. We'll listen. So, <laughs> um, before we get to Bruce, really quick, I uh, just want to let you guys know about a couple things coming up. We are, we are excited. Uh, to walk through the season of Advent with you as we head towards Christmas. Um, this year, just as a little sneak peek, we're going to share this on Sunday, but you're our first followers and you get this stuff a little early. Um, we are excited. We were just talking about our our series that we're doing throughout Christmas this year called Advent Conspiracy. That's about mm-hmm. the idea of, uh, of us joining together to turn this season upside down on its head a little bit and to get away from uh, this mindset of, uh, spend, 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 consume, consume, and to try and uh, worship fully, to spend less, to give more. So we're, we're excited to do that. And we want to uh, invite you, uh, if it's uh, <clears throat> pertinent to you in the middle of that, one of our favorite services that we do every year because of the need that it meets is our blue Christmas service. has been one of the coolest things that we do around here mm-hmm. uh, as a service for folks who are 
in a, uh, a season of, of grieving, uh, mourning. Some people, the, the holidays are the hardest time of the year for them because of uh, missing somebody that they have cared about. And that's, that's a difficult season. So we're, we, uh, we love doing that every year this year. It's going to be on December 6th on a Wednesday night. And, um, you know, for those who it's for, it's awesome. That's right. This is not a service for everyone. Uh, but, but perhaps you have a friend or a loved one for whom blue Christmas is the right service for them this Christmas. We'd love to, uh, to worship with them. Excellent. All right. Well, without any further ado, uh, we have a special guest on the podcast. Okay, I don't know if that came across well or not. That was a good drum um, roll. You're good. So, uh, Bruce Miller, welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Good Thanks, morning. Mike. Delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, thank you for making the trip from Texas here uh, uh, pre-holidays before you settle in with your family. Bruce has been married to his wife, Tamara, for a bunch of years. 40 years this summer. Five children and how many grandchildren? Nine I couldn't count that. Grandchildren. High. Nine grandchildren. Which feels absolutely crazy. My goodness, <laughs> um, that's remarkable. Well, Bruce and I have—I've uh, known of Bruce for some time. Uh, he's um, interesting. Bruce. Uh, speaking of 25th anniversary, Bruce uh, and his friends founded their church, Christ Fellowship, um, in Texas. There. Uh, a year in 1997, a year, uh, yeah, yeah, we were all a bunch of Gen Xers planning churches across America. Uh, with with uh, we're gonna do it different than those baby boomers, uh, and in some ways we did. <laughs> um, their church has grown to be a church of some size, and along the way, Bruce became someone who God has gifted to write about uh, for the the benefit and the education of other pastors like me. So I, I began reading some of Bruce's books some years ago, particularly Your Church on Rhythm is the one that stands out that I think I took the most from mm-hmm. Bruce. He's written on a number of topics. He's been a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he's done his doctoral work in some philosophical areas, um, their church is ahead of ours in becoming multi-ethnic. In fact, just to the point where, due to the nature of their community, they call it one church, two languages. And English so and Spanish. English and wow. Spanish. Yeah. And when did that become a vision for you all, Bruce? Probably about 20 years ago. But really, we started 16 years ago being uh, English and Spanish with a Spanish pastor who joined us. Who Originally, we translated the services on FM on an FM wow. uh, deal on with headphones, and then we went to live, translated, and then we went to just flat-out Spanish services, doing the same sermon on the same Sundays at the same hour in different rooms. And it's just been great. So it's all one church. It's not a separate church mm-hmm. on the side, but it's actually all united as one church in two languages. Mm. It's McKinney, Texas. That's right, just north of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get, hopefully we'll have one of our meetings. D- Bruce and I have become friends in the last two years through a, a, a national training cohort that both of us were attracted to be in. Just some coaching as pastors who are founding pastors of 20-plus years of multi-site churches of similar sizes and uh, uh, leading well, particularly out of the pandemic. Uh, it's been very fruitful for me, and then Bruce and I just recognized each other as like-minded, and so here you are. Thank you for last night's seminar. Why were you led? So the book that caught my attention and that I I sent out to our staff and elders a year ago to uh, nine months ago, asked them to read was Bruce's book, "Leading a Church in a Time of Sexual Questioning." He had previously written the book, the title of which is our podcast today. 
how do I decide whether to go to this gay wedding? Bruce, what led you to, to write those two books? I really saw what the desperate need is in our, in our community, in our country, and frankly now I realize the world, but families just torn apart. I mean, just the ache, the pain in a mom's eyes and in a dad trying not to cry but wrestling with what's going on with their kids. And then I started seeing it in more, more dimensions, a family coming to me, and they said, what do we do? My dad is gay, and now we have kids, and how do we relate to my dad? Hmm. And then seeing churches just, just ripped apart and whole denominations, and of course mm-hmm. our whole country, I said, we have got to bring biblical wisdom to this topic. And so I just went into a deep dive of researching on this, and the more I've spoken about it as the years have gone by, it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten yeah. worse. Yeah. And <clears throat> the tension has increased and the pain has increased on really all sides. One of the reasons I wanted to learn from you and our, wanted our leadership to learn from you is I've heard from you and read in your books anecdotes that um, b- uh, b- somehow, by the grace of God, you all have managed to set a culture. You're a church that is like Lake Forest, historically doctrinally orthodox Christian. That's the theolo- That's the phrase that I would prefer than evangelical. But theologically, we are evangelical. You guys solidly are. You're a Dallas Seminary guy. And yet you're the pastor, you're the pastor that I know of a Bible-believing church. We'll use that for a popular phrase. Uh, who has the most stories of interactions with members of the LGBTQ plus community attending your church, feeling welcome at your church, getting involved in community and small groups, bapt- conversions at times. And, and so I want to, we want to learn. So, so yes, a lot of things have gotten worse in terms of, of culture war relative to this matter. But at where you started was, but this is personal. It's not political. It is. It to is. To our and families. I, and I think, you know, Mike, when we, when we first met, we quickly our hearts beat together on grace. Mm-hmm. And certainly we share theological orthodoxy, uh, a traditional Christian beliefs, and yet at the same, not, no, not and yet as a, as a contrast, but and together with that, a real heart for the grace of God, which goes all the way back to Jesus Christ and the original gospel that the Bible talks about, that is the grace for all that you've been celebrating on your 25th we have anniversary, been. which I think is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. Thank you for that. Uh, I appreciated the dive you've done uh, to know our church before speaking with our elders and staff last night. That meant a lot to me. Well, the 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 book um, did. I, I'm guessing the book "Should I Go to This Wedding" uh, came out of probably just. I mean, I could list. I could go through a number of pastoral conversations in my office. I've never gone through that conversation in a sermon on a Sunday. Uh, what did that book specifically come out of? Yeah, probably just like you. The number okay. of people who come to me and say, should I go to the wedding? And actually, it gets, it gets even more complicated because I remember one of our youth staff, a young lady came to me and she said, my sister is getting married to a woman and she wants me to be a bridesmaid. And so it, And then it's the, do I give a gift? And do I go to the party afterwards? And am I going to walk some so down the aisle if I'm a parent? And so it, or if I'm like, am I going to pay for the wedding? Yeah. And so there's yeah. all these other related issues that um, do, do I go on the gift registry, whether I go to the wedding or not, and pick a gift mm-hmm. to give. Mm-hmm. And so it gets really complicated mm-hmm. in terms of how you respond to that. 
Well, I know you and I in our churches, both um, in, in some of our written and unwritten <clears throat> values, want to uh, quote the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Jesus came with grace and That's truth. Right. And so sitting with a friend, we want to say, well, well, how does the grace and truth of Jesus apply here? How do you think about grace and truth as a Christian? Yeah, I think that so many people are confused on this one. The most common thing I hear is grace and truth are really in tension. We've got to hold these in balance. I think that's totally wrong. Yeah, was <laughs> Jesus in tension? Yeah, like, I don't think so. Like, no. I don't see him in tension with himself. And I think it betrays a, a false understanding of both grace and truth. Hmm. And our thought wrongly is that if we really emphasize truth, we're going to have to lower grace. Hmm. Like if yeah. we really are really super strong truth people, we're not going to be really good grace people. And the thought there is that somehow truth is harsh, okay, which is not the same thing. And then on grace, it's like, huh. man, if we're super grace people and we're really full of grace, we're not going to be really good truth people because we're going to have to lower truth to be super grace people. It's like... Ooh, did you mean that grace compromises? I mean, is that what you... It's like, wait a minute, what are you saying about grace? And so, yeah, I think to come back and realize, no, actually, grace is a truth, and truth speaks grace. Hmm. And grace and truth meld together in love. Hmm. And, they're, they're, and, and Jesus actually was full of both. And so we don't want to minimize one or the other. We want to be people who are 100% truth and 100% grace. How would you summarize the historic biblical Christian orthodoxy on human sexuality. Yeah, I just uh, recently helped by another scholar to <clears throat> come up with just two words. And I was like, oh, this is so simple. And this, this uh, person, name is, is an ethicist named David Gushy, says uh, two words, chastity and fidelity. I'm like, well, you know, unpack that for me, you know, buddy. And so yeah, old it school. Is, it is, uh, hey, real simple. If you're not married, don't have sex. Just kind of real plain. Chastity. But you can mm -hmm. broaden that. Chastity means, so if you're not married, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager, you're 70, you're divorced, you're engaged. Who you're attracted to. Whatever the deal. It doesn't matter what your attraction pattern is, whether you're straight, you're gay, you're bi, some other thing, whatever it might be. If you're not married, no sex of any kind with anyone. Super simple. And then mm -hmm. if you are married, fidelity. Only have sex with the person you're married to. No cheating of any kind, with anyone, anywhere, of any variety, whether that's, you know, physical, emotional, uh, and physical of whatever kind. And I thought, that's just so simple, yeah. super hard to do, and <laughs> most people fail that. Um, but here's the biblical standard, and, you know, God's the one who set up sexuality. He actually created it. He's pro-sex in marriage. And so if we would do it God's way, chastity outside of marriage, fidelity in marriage, then sex can be absolutely beautiful, and, and it's a wonderful gift from God. And how would you, because you're the guy who wrote the book, um, how would you, how would you uh, summarize our, um, our biblical view of marriage? Yeah, I think three words, um, exclusive, permanent, and complementary. Let me just unpack that quickly. Okay. Exclusive is it's one woman, one man, not a bunch of people. It's not polygamy. It's not polyamory, if you've tripped across that word. I have. Uh, Pastorally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh, Good good, cor good correction there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and then not only is it exclusive, it is also permanent. This is for, it's, you know, in the wedding vow, hey, as long as we both shall live. And so it's, it's for your life. And then it's complementary, meaning 
it's a man and a woman. And you just go right back to Genesis and just straight out our biology, we fit together. Like all the anatomical parts and all that, we're designed to reproduce. We are, if you're talking in biology terms, we are a dimorphic species. We are, there's a male and a female. Okay. And Harrison. Dimorphic. Dimorphic. Okay. You like that, man? Word like, of the day. Give like one did, word did of the day. Did you learn that at Liberty? Did you learn that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Okay, okay. And, I did, uh, I forgot. And so marriage is designed to be between a man and a woman. And man, we see that all the way through the Bible in the way this the Bible t- uses marriage to talk about our relationship with God in this beautiful, intimate picture, even God with Israel and then now with Christ in the church, that we are his bride. And so he loves us with this fierce, devoted love, and he wants us to be faithful back. Now, the dark side of that is... Then in the Old Testament, when the prophets talked about God's people, Israel being rebellious and running away, he used the image of adultery. You're mm-hmm. being unfaithful to me like a bride to a husband. And so uh, we find that image all the way through to the very end of the Bible. Uh, I think one way of seeing the Bible is it begins with a wedding and ends with a wedding. Starts with Adam and Eve, ends with Christ and the church. And so marriage is exclusive, permanent, and complementary. Hmm. And, and that... Uh, marriage at the end is complementary. It is a groom and a bride, uh, and and the types matter. That's right. Um, thank you for that. Um, thank you for that. You guys may be hearing my now forever summary of the uh, Christian sexual biblical ethics uh, in those two words. He had to boil, he had boiled down to two points and three points, Mike. Yeah, you got to take that <laughs> with permission. I mean, that's tight, Bruce. That's good stuff. Listen, it's good. Oh. It'll cost you. I'm yeah. incapable of that. I'm incapable of such tightness. Yeah. Um, so now let's go straight to, these are Lake Forest followers of Jesus Christ and probably some folks looking into the faith. And I tell you, just being faith. here to visit, man, what a great church you guys have. I I love the spirit of Lake Forest and just being with the folks last night, elders and staff and touring around, you can just feel the warmth. You can feel, frankly, the spirit, um, kind of little S and big S of Lake Forest. That's awesome. If I lived here, I'd love to come to Lake Forest. Uh, well, That's great. Thank you for that, Bruce. Maybe in retirement, uh, but then I'll be retired too. Yeah, we've got a bunch of years left here. Um, so... Given that Lake Forest people are here because they want to be grace-oriented Christians who uh, lovingly live out God's truth, Uh, we want to be grace and truth Christians. Now, walk us through, should I attend that person's gay wedding? Yeah, and boy, I tell you what, if you Google this, you're going to get so many answers from Christian people, pastors, people's blogs. I've done it. I've did, I did the exercise. and Good, most, so we don't have to. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Most of them say don't go. Really? M- most Straight of up. them. That's right. Straight up, that's the majority. And, and Bruce, when members of our church, even who've been here a long time, th- first of all, it saddens me that people still feel like there's a barrier for them to reveal to me that their child. Right, it's so sad. Their child or their someone very close to them, particularly their child though, has come out and is going to enter into a union. I'm very, I am, di- once or twice I've been distraught, quite frankly. What have I done that has made that a barrier? I understand it's cultural and it's macro church based on what you just said. But they come in every time, have presumed I'm going to black and white, 100% say, of course you should not go because you're a professing Christian. 
So my, think, my research bears that out yeah, in and my I'd, office. And I, I, I have the same thing, and I'd say there's a couple of misconceptions. Okay. One is the distinction between a between marriage and a wedding. Okay. So marriage is biblical. We just talked about it. There's a whole theology of marriage in the Bible that's rock solid. What about weddings? How many weddings do you know in the Bible? Jesus went to a wedding, made the water into wine, first miracle. Who got married? Were they Jewish? Were they... We don't know. And then there's just not a lot. So what's a theology of weddings? Hmm. Well, it ends up weddings are pretty cultural. There's not like, here's the biblical way to do a wedding. Well, that's a great just, statement. Just hmm. doesn't yeah. exist. I just read about Greek Orthodox weddings. Okay. Very different. I was going to say. Yeah. And it's cultural differences. <laughs> right. A way, way different. Yeah. And if, if some of you have traveled around the world and been to a wedding in a different culture, it is way different. It's just not nearly the same. Or if you got married to someone from a different culture, you're like, oh, wait a minute. How are we going to do an Indian and America? I mean, mm-hmm. whatever the, the culture is. So people, what I'm saying is people, the mistake people make is to equate uh, marriage, good. wedding. Okay. So then what they that's say helpful. is, well, if you go to the wedding, then you are affirming or you are, you are basically saying that this marriage is great when it's not biblical. It's not for two people of the same sex to marry each other is not the biblical pattern. That's not the way God designed. God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman, not two men, not two women. And so the thought is, well, if I go to the wedding, then I'm going to violate the Bible or dishonor God. It's like, well, that's not necessarily the case. The second misunderstanding is that association communicates affirmation. Okay. So that, the the, the 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 thought is, if I go to the wedding, if I go to the party, if I hang around this person, that that's going to affirm that. So here's here'd be a little. This is not a wedding, but I'll give you an example. Um, a lady came to came up to me some years ago, and she said, "I'm in a Bible study with my neighbor." I'm like, awesome! I wish every member of our church had a Bible study going with their neighbor. And then she said, "Well, and my my neighbor's a lesbian." And inside, I went like 10x of excitement. I'm like, you mean a lesbian lady is willing to be in a Bible study with you? This is awesome. And you're doing it? Like, well, let's throw a party. You know, let's blow some. I mean, I was very calm and doing pastoral, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> normal voice. And then she said, well, I'm thinking about quitting. And inside, I just died. And I said, well, well like, I mean, why? And she said what you would probably guess. I'm scared that she's going to think that I affirm her lifestyle. Hmm. And I just went, oh my gosh, so many Christians think that, and that's so not Jesus. Yeah. So you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll find Jesus never really worried about what the religious people thought. He was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, in fact, so much so, they called him. Mm -hmm. They precisely believed in affirmation due to association, and he precisely would not submit to that. Yeah, the parties he went to. He said, in the, in the words of the 90s, homie, don't play that. No, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, that, that might be out of date. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he went to parties and ate dinner with people that other people were like, um, those aren't the right people. Like, do you know who you're hanging out with? They called him, literally, they called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard. Yep. <laughs> and quote, unquote, a friend of tax collectors or a friend of sinners and uh, depending on the translation, if you read the New Living Translation, they said, you, why are you hanging out with those scum? That's New like, Living. 
you're like, whoa. Yep. Well, what I want to free you with, you know, as you're listening to this is, hey, go be great friends with people who aren't Christians or people who sort of at least Christian people are viewed as not being cool with, which would certainly be LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. trans people and gay people and people who are flamboyant. Like, yeah, hang out with them. Go to their party. So like today, you have to ask, okay, if someone was throwing a gay party with pretty much 90% of the people there would be LGBTQ, with all the various things would probably go with a party like that, would Jesus go? Hands down, yeah. I think that's, that's what he went. That's the kind yeah. of listen. Have you ever seen any movies about Rome, like normal secular movies? I might not should watch some of those. Those are usually rated R. I started watching <laughs> some some yeah. serialized, uh, you know, Netflix or something. Right. So and woo, it got exactly. too much too fast so for me. We sort of all know. Okay, we're not necessarily historians, but we know Rome was really messed up. Like the sex and violence in Rome. You think America's bad? We're not, we're not at Rome levels yet. I mean, it's bad, hmm. but we're not at Rome levels yet. Those are the parties Jesus went to. They were Roman parties hmm. with secular, non-Christian Roman people. Just guess for a minute what went on at those parties. Well, you're probably right. I mean, that's, that's what went on, and Jesus was there. I've never thought about that, Bruce. Matthew was a Roman collaborator as a tax collector. The, the Jews would have nothing to do with him. I, Bruce, I've never thought about that. I presumed he was having a little Jewish party. Yeah, a little dignified. Was, kind of we all had our nice mm, robes on. Right. Sweet. But he was, um, what's the word when you're uh, expunged from a community? He was, whatever the word was, no Jews would associate with him. Right. I've never thought about that. His was uh, a, a Roman party listen there was a lot of alcohol they were probably their version of drugs they didn't have all our pharmaceuticals but they had drugs and there were prostitutes i mean this was a party party you know and there's a ton of food and okay so association at at that's a really clear example from jesus that association is not affirmation um uh how about the a wedding is is a bit of a pinnacle moment it's not an informal party. It's not a hangout in everyday life. It's a pre-planned and all that. So can take us further on your decision tree if you could. Yeah. I, so well, I know one of your books was the wisdom. Uh, uh, forgive me. The title is the wisdom. Right. So I came up with an acronym. Wisdom is an, is a um, acronym for me of a decision making way to think about decisions. So W I S D O M. Okay. The W is work the issue. Hey, what's the real issue here? What are, and, and what I find is a lot of people try to solve problems before they understand what the problem is. Mm-hmm. This is a typical okay. marriage deal. Um, you probably don't do this, but before your wife finishes ah. explaining the problem, you're solving it. And she's like, I didn't even, you don't even understand what I'm asking. You're like, oh, <laughs> trying to get to the solution. Or it's the doctor who says, you say I have a headache. And he goes, oh, here's some pills. You're like, yeah, but like, why am I having the headache? I mean, what if I have a tumor? Yeah. Come on. Anyway. So it's, hey, work the issue. So that's the, that's the step in decision-making most people skip too fast. What's the real issue about this wedding? And so when you really ask, why are you hesitant to go? Or, what's, or what's, why do you want to go? And it's, well, do you have some weird feelings about gay people? Do you, are you prejudiced? I don't even quite really want to face that. Or hmm. is it a moral issue for you? Is it a, is it a public perception, per, perception issue that you're right. worried about what you're not worried about the person getting married. You're worried about what other people are going to think about you. Because you, in the case of a parent to a child, 
that child knows their parents' conviction right, about nobody's, they're not biblical confused. sexuality. Yeah. They, your attendance at that wedding will not confuse them exactly. about your own belief about sexuality. That's right. And in another situation, it could confuse somebody. I mean, you know, it's, it's possible. And then the I is investigate Scripture. What does the Bible say about marriage, weddings, sexuality? What does the Bible say about decision-making and there's a lot of other verses that, that come to play, that can come to play in this about, like, do all things for the sake of the gospel. Anyway, um, and then the S is seek counsel. Seek good wisdom from other people. D is develop your response. What do you think? And then if you're in a situation where it's really complex or really confusing, the O is openly discuss. It's, hey, get a couple wise people together. Hmm. Maybe in this case, some family <clears throat> members. Hey, let's really talk about what we're going to do about this wedding. And then the M is moved action. Maybe you got to go ahead and can't just sit and talk yeah. about it. In yeah. this case, you're going to go or not. So, yeah. And you might not just go. It's do we pay for it? Do we give a gift? Do we? How much do we do we celebrate? So, do I go to the rehearsal dinner? Do I go to the reception afterwards? Anyway, all of that. Or am I in the wedding? Am I part of the wedding party? Yeah. All yeah. those questions could be part of a decision making grid that you're making depending on what the situation is. Mm. When a uh a couple or a parent has come to me about a child who's come out to them <clears throat> of different differing ages, of course, differing ages. It, I, it, my conversation's very different if they are a, a teenager, a younger teenager. I won't touch that. But if they're a bit older, um, uh, you know, one of the first things I the, similar to the <clears throat> majority opinion that you find when you search Christian comments on whether to go to the wedding no is the is a majority quick answer i also hear these parents if they've been a christian for a long time uh, a bible believing christian they have this thing in them that's like should i now hold my kid at arm's length should right, i right. not invite them to christmas etc and m- this is i'm not going through the whole wisdom process here but my initial so- sort of in a in in, in a rogerian way is to leap up yes, and say, your child, you love them, if possible, more. You pull them, if possible, closer. You, you get them in more proximity to you. They know who you are. They know what you value. You, love transforms. That's exactly right. <laughs> and, and don't do the opposite. And kind of the opposite of that principle that association does not convey affirmation is that without proximity, there is no impact. He just said that better than me, Harrison. No, that was good. I mean, it it, it reminds me, <laughs> Bruce. Like, um, my one of my kids was in their first serious dating relationship, and it was, it was like a typical first relationship. It wasn't good. It was stupid. It was unhealthy. It was hurtful to everybody involved. And um, you know, it's it's like in in that scenario for us as parents, there's there's a part of you that's that is frustrated with it and there's another part that's like I'm I'm going to be here before this and I'm going to be here after it and I'm going to be here in the middle of it however I feel about what you're doing like my my job in this is to show you that whatever you're going through that that we are still here at the end of the day no matter what else is going on it feels like there's there's some stigmatizing that happens around this one particular thing sometimes that puts a roadblock for some for some of us as Christ followers at times it makes it like we can't get over that hurdle do you see that sometimes yeah, like I think this that's, particularly that's so wise Harrison which is to think long term 
It's to not get so caught up in the moment that you forget the long-term picture. An old saying is, don't win the battle and lose the war. Hmm. And that is, you want to think, in the, of course, in your case, with a dating deal, it's kind of short-term for the first, usually the first relationship's pretty short. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah. someone, so child of yours is getting married to someone of the same sex. You know, think, that what would you like your relationship to be a year from now, hmm. five years from now, ten years from now? What, what would you like your relationship to, be, your relationship to be if they have a child? And it's going to be your grandchild. How, what do you want the relationship to be when you're old and someone's coming to take care of you with them? I mean, you just got to think longer term and think, okay, wait a minute. And, and what is my relationship to this person, whoever they are, a family member, a friend, people we encounter in our lives, asking the question, how does, how does the way that I'm going to love them in this moment show them what I believe about the love of Christ and, right. and how Christ loves me in that situation as well. And, and approaching that in the situation with my kid the same way, but in, even in these kind of things, you're like, man, they're, they're looking to see, I am a Christian. How, how, how does Jesus love me in the middle of this? And I'll tell you in a wedding, there are a lot of people looking on. Hmm. It's all the family and friends. Hmm. So buddy of mine's hmm. a pastor in the Texas area in Texas and his daughter came out in college as lesbian and then she went to Fuller Seminary and wanted to be an Episcopal priest. She is. And so she said, I want you to marry me like you're going to marry my brother. And he said, I just, I, I can't do that. And she said, well, I love you. You're my dad. And so I'm going to wait till you change your mind. Hmm. Huh. So a year or two went by. And he said, I just, I'm, I'm not going to get there, sweetie, you know. And she said, well, would you come? Well, he's in a quite conservative church. And he knew if he came, there was going to be a price to pay. So I prayed with him about it. You know, I'm sure he sought counsel from other people. And she was in California, and he decided to go and be at the wedding. And that, that there were people who did not, and he decided to be public with that with his church. Not everybody responded well. And uh, he, uh, now picture this. You're a lesbian lady, wonderful lady, living in California with all your gay friends. And you tell them, my Texas evangelical megachurch pastor is coming out. <laughs> pastor yeah. dad, yeah. Yep. Imagine what they're thinking. Oh, my gosh, he's probably going to have a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and going to be a jerk and, yeah. you know, going to slam all of us. So he went out there determined to just show love. And he went out there, was the life of the party. <laughs> he was fun. He was loving. He met all her friends. He was joyful. And they, were, they just totally blew their perceptions, their caricatures. And it was this beautiful moment for him with his daughter. Well, life goes on. She got married. Things didn't go well. She got divorced. Well, who was she able to go to and confide to? Her dad. Yeah. Because they had a relationship. So it's just, I mean, to me, that's an example of the story. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't, he would break his convictions to do the wedding, but he could be there for his daughter. And I think some of that is you want to show your child, especially if it's your child, yeah. but even a good friend, that you love them. That you support them as a human being. So it's, I can support you as a human, as a person, or especially as my child, yeah. without affirming or agreeing with every decision you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have yeah. been able to affirm the common grace of companionship mm-hmm. um, that is offered in the human community, whether you worship God, acknowledge God, whether you rage at God or not. Having a human companion is a, is a great grace and a gift. It's, it's in us ontologically to uh, flourish when we have some of it. I, I totally affirm that for a, 
uh, for someone in the LGBTQ community. Do I wish complete solitude and loneliness for them? No, I I do not. And so I I would, for example, you know, I've I've examined that part of the decision making with someone. Can, can you, while clearly believing that their their marital union is not something God would want for them can you be there celebrating that they have friendship and companionship in their life yeah I think that's beautiful and you know the I, I know the big fears but yeah but are they going to be mistaken that I'm yeah supporting or affirming or so on and like you said in most cases that's just not the situation like you know children are not confused about what their parents think and in my situation with uh, my my youth staff who this young lady was asked to be a bridesmaid. Okay. And we said, "What do we? What you know? What do I do?" And I said, well, "Is your sister? Does your sister know what you think about all this?" Well, yeah, I'm on staff at an evangelical church, and you know, <laughs> yeah. we've had a lot of conversations. <clears throat> oh no, she's completely. She knows where I stand. And I said, "You know, well, why don't you empower your sister? Why don't you give her the choice?" And so meet with her and say, "Look, I love you, and I know it. I don't know why you invited me, but I'm honored that you invited me." You know where I stand, so if it would be weird for you or odd for you or uncomfortable for me to be there, I'm willing to not be there. But if you want me to be there knowing mm-hmm. what I believe, yeah. I would be there for you 100%. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to – I don't want you to feel obligated because I'm your sister. I have to be a bridesmaid. And so she had an open conversation, a private, loving, trusting conversation. You know, what would you like? I love you and I support you. You're my sister. I'll love you forever. And her sister said, I'd like you to be a bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. And so she was. That's awesome. Was, did that raise any issues in your congregation? Because now everybody puts pictures <clears throat> out the wazoo online about right. their wedding. Yeah, in a good way. Um, it really didn't. Yeah, I thought it might, but that one, that one didn't. Well, you are a grace and truth congregation, and I'm, uh, and that flows from you, Bruce. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. But I think that's a, that. I just got a question I didn't expect maybe nine months ago on this topic. On thinking about Facebook and all the pictures. I have a friend of mine who's a, a realtor, hmm. and he said, I've got a couple that we've done a lot of business with, two gay men, and they're, they're and we're good friends. They're clients of mine, and they've now moved to another state and gotten married, and they, they put it on Facebook, and they know I'm on Facebook quite a bit with my business. If I don't comment on Facebook, they will notice it, and that will be, uh-huh. it will not be good. 21st century etiquette. Yep. If I do comment on Facebook, then there are Christian friends of mine and Christian clients who will have another thought about me because it looks like I'm celebrating this gay wedding. Yeah. So he came to me to say, what in the world do I do? And I just thought, I had not encountered that dimension of this <laughs> gay wedding situation. Bruce, what um, this is just so helpful. Again, this is I, I'm learning your your whole ethos, this and it really is this wis- the, the wisdom acronym for decision-making for Christians, which um, just takes so many biblical principles into account. I appreciate just touching on it some. Thank you for this. Um, what, uh, as we move to close, what, um, w- as you get toward the end of your book, what are some of the conclusions that you make or uh, exhortations. I, I'm not sure how. I, I haven't read that one yet. What, yeah. I, what do you leave people with? Well, what, I what? really leave people making their own decision. So I don't okay. say, "Here's what you should do." You know, kind of black and white. But I give them a real wide perspective of biblical truth 
and dynamics at play. For instance, are the two people getting married Christians or not? Is the wedding in a church or is it in a, in a neutral, like a park, a neutral setting? How well do you know them? Are they family members? Are you like number 700 on the invite list and you barely know them? Okay. I mean, there's just a lot of factors. So then it's really saying, I encourage you to prayerfully walk through this wisdom process, look at God's word, consider the situation and ask what would most honor God? What would most advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that's going to lead you to your decision. Thank you. I'm really grateful, Bruce, uh, for your thoughts on this and your counsel. Um, what If folks are interested in your published works, uh, your blogs and such, uh, what is your website? So it's Bruce B, as in boy, BruceBMiller.com. Okay, BruceBMiller.com. Um, and when you your church is one year older than ours and you were the founding pastor— uh, give us one highlight uh, from celebrating your church's 25th anniversary, would oh, you? Man, my, my mind just exploded with that question. Okay. <laughs> I really think it's similar to the story you just told. It's looking out and seeing at the people, the people who <clears throat> a couple were born at our church, and I did their baby dedication. Okay. Then they came to Christ and were baptized. Then they got married, and now they've come back and are starting to have their own children. And it's not like you know hundreds, but it's some, and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is so deeply good to share community with people over a long period of time. And uh, it's just really rich. And to see people who were middle school kids when we started, who are now in their mid-late 30s leaders of small groups and children and students and, and coming, coming back and serving the Lord. And I think the, the richness of a community that has deep roots in one local place is just beautiful. Mm. Friends, those of you listening, some, some of you have been here decades, and you've seen the grace of God at work and at play through the years, through the good and the bad, as you show up and worship among the people of God and let the Spirit of God work and release the Word of God in your life. And I loved some of the notes that many of you wrote to me uh, in witness to that long arc work of God in your life. And many of you are listening who are new uh, as part of Lake Forest and one of the things we know about the Lake Norman area, uh, Bruce, we were at one point on some demographic magazine. We were on the cover as number one Reloville in America. Okay. And so we know there are some of you, you're new here, and I hope that you're sensing this stability and this, uh, this fecundity uh, of longtime disciple making among so many faithful people here. And I hope that it's getting on you. And you're relaxing into it, even if the Lord has you here only for a season. I hope it's something you take with you. But, but by the grace of God, maybe you will now be one providing this this decades long disciple making as you give and serve and worship alongside with others and belong in community. That's right. Um, <clears throat> last thing, Bruce, is one last bit of hospitality from us to you. Just so you know, we did we did ask the Panthers to lose 50 to nothing to the Cowboys on Sunday. Thank you. So we handled that for you just as a thanks for being here. you can pray so. for that also as a church, that'd that, be great. That needs no yeah. prayer. It's, some things just happen. That, that's, you don't might, even need to have a— Might be a little a, prayer. No, that's not even a prophetic word if it happens, no, yeah. Harrison. No, no, no. That's, that's going to happen. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, um, Bruce, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it You're most welcome, man. Thank Thanks you for inviting much. me. Joy to be here with you guys. Awesome.